keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourself, no matter how wonderfully perverted they are. Listen to the outro if you want to know how to connect and enjoy. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wiley, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we do our best to try to put our thoughts and feelings about sex, both physical and emotional, into words in an effort to improve sex lives everywhere. Our guest today is a 22-year-old cis female. Her sexual orientation is attracted to hot people. She's into voyeurism and exhibitionism, DS play. She's a submissive who likes to call her husband daddy. They're monogamous, but open to exploring with others together. She's a stay-at-home mom of a toddler from the South. Welcome, G. Hi! Hi! So please tell our listeners, if you had to rate yourself today on a sexual shame-a-meter, with 10 being super full of sexual shame and one being like, I don't care, I'll do it anytime, anywhere, whatever, 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 where do you fall today? I'd say like a two, probably. Okay, excellent. And can you give our listeners just a little snippet overview of your current sexual life? Right now, it's pretty great. We are, me and my husband have gotten a lot better about communication and actually like expressing what we genuinely want out of our sex life. And we've been really able to achieve that lately. And it's been like, it's been the best it's ever been. So it's, it's going pretty great. Awesome. So take us back to your early years. And can you tell us when you first remember hearing about sex? The first time I remember hearing about sex, I have an older brother. He's four years older than me. And I remember he was standing outside talking to my mom and he said, he asked her how kittens are made. <laughs> and so she explained to him, like, you know, the kitten, like, or the, the mother cat, like has the male cat put his penis in her and like basically explain sex. And then he said, is that how people are made too? And I was standing like, behind the front door on my way outside and I overheard it. I remember standing there with like my eyes like bulging out of my head and like, oh my God, I think I was like four. And I remember just standing there with like my mouth hanging open. I was like, what? <laughs> so shocking to me. And then I was like, kittens and people. Like it was just so overwhelming. <laughs> so it's, it's like burned in my brain because it was such a, such an experience. That's amazing. And how did that affect <laughs> your little human self? Like, what do you remember if you did anything with the information other than being overwhelmed? No, I heard that at four. And I think I was probably like 11 or 12 before I ever thought about sex again. I was a very like late bloomer mm -hmm. in my family. Like we're all very open about sex. It was never because of like secrecy or shame or anything like that. I think my brain was just like put that on the back burner and was like, we'll worry about this when you're a little bit older. <laughs> okay, that's great. So your family was pretty open. Did your mom give you a sex talk other than this hidden kitten door moment? <laughs> there was never really like a one distinct moment of being like sat down and talked to. It was more just like, I like to say my parents are hippies. Like I remember I was probably like four and like my whole family took a shower together mm -hmm. so I remember like seeing my parents naked mm -hmm. seeing like the human body and it was never weird it was never this like shame or anything I remember like running around outside naked but like till I was like 11 like, yeah <laughs> very, we were a very open family and I I'm a big reader and so I feel like people my age remember the it's the American Girl Doll book the oh yeah care and keeping of you 
And it was like this, like the puberty Bible. And <laughs> so I remember like reading that. I would like read that with my mom. We'd look at the pages and stuff. And like I had another one called It's a Girl Thing. And that one was more like a little bit more mature. Talk more about like sexuality, not just like puberty and stuff. And it was the first time I ever heard about like oral sex performed on a female. Oh. And I was, I think I was like 12 or 13. I remember reading that and it was like, oh my God. Cause I had only ever heard about, you know, like blowjobs. And so it was like, didn't register in my brain that that could be done to women too. Yeah. And so in that book, I remember learning that. So it was more like a literary sex talk than a one-on-one, like out loud kind of sex talk. But it was more just like a comfortable part of our family life that I was consistently exposed to, I guess you could say. That's amazing. And reading those things or getting that knowledge, did that have an effect on you? I remember, which I'm very small tested. And I remember reading the page about like breast development and being like, I can't wait to look like that. Because this the picture the girl had like great tits. And I remember being like, yeah, I can't wait. And then it was like, I was like 18 still waiting for my tits to look like that. So it was, I feel like it set up some expectations of like, this is what puberty is like. And then some of it didn't happen for me. But I remember those books definitely prepared me in a way that like puberty was never scary. I wasn't the girl that like got her period and didn't know what was happening and thought I was dying. It was more like, oh yes, this exact thing. Like I knew how to use a pad. I knew what was happening. I knew about cramps. I felt like I was very prepared because of those books. That's awesome. Quick question about your boobs. <laughs> when you had a baby, did they get bigger? Yes. they. I finally got tits. You finally got tits. <laughs> like, well, it was like second puberty. <laughs> Can I ask how old you were when you were pregnant? I was, I turned 21 in the middle of my pregnancy. Okay. So yeah, it was before that I was literally flat chested. <laughs> I was, I literally had like no tits, like I had nipples and that was it. And then I went through my pregnancy and I had like, I think by the end of it, I probably had like double D's. Okay. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? And they've gone down a lot since like giving birth, but I'm still breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely have like, I like to say, I've got like some juicy tits. Like (laughs) (laughs) literally there's (laughs) some milky juicy tits. Yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing. I also ask because I was 20 when my boobs were at their like peak size wise. And part of that was because I did go on birth control. But even before I had started it, they started to fill out. And at that point I had had a teacher in high school who was like, it's okay. A's like, she said this to me and another, not like the whole class, but like me and another friend who were flat chested. And we were like, you know, our cool teacher friend, because I was kind of a nerd. (laughs) I am kind of a nerd. Uh, But, and I remember like, she was like, there are silver linings to everything. Maybe you don't have big boobs, but then you don't have to worry about sagging. And I remember being like, oh, yeah, I'm never going to have to worry about sagging. And then I got bigger <laughs> boobs in college and I was like, oh, and then I went off birth control and they went down. And it's not that my boobs are terribly saggy, oh, no. but they're but they're very wiggly. And that's part of the reason right. that I like wiggle them around everywhere. Yeah. So anyway. You know, I can relate to that. They talk about like the pencil test of if you need a bra. <laughs> and I've literally my whole life, I'm like, whose boobs can hold up a pencil? And now I've started to get a little bit of a fold and I'm like, my like, boobs oh. can hold up a pencil. <laughs> uh, okay, when I was younger, I thought the pencil test was for between your boobs too and mine was like wider <laughs> set. And so I thought you had to have really big boobs. Like I just didn't, my brain always puts things in interesting places. 
<laughs> so, okay. Take us back to your early boobless years. When did you start touching yourself? <laughs> so it's kind of funny. I remember my mom had a book and it was like one of those like artsy, creative, like self-expression books, like a woman writing. And like it, she talked about, you know, like her life experiences and her sexuality and stuff. And there was one chapter and it was a story about how her friend gave her a vibrator. And, like, how she was so scared of, like, it, like, hurting her or something. So she put a pillow on top of the vibrator and then, like, sat on it and used that to come. And I remember being, like, oh, my God. But there was an illustration in the book. And the vibrator was one of those, like, plug-in, kind of, like, the nozzle ones. <laughs> and I was, like, that looks like that back massager my parents yeah. have. Because they had, like, oh, one yeah. of those, like, body therapeutics mm. or whatever. My mom had the and same so thing. Girl, man, <laughs> I, oh, I love that thing, <laughs> but I, I waited, I think I waited for them to like take the dog for a walk and I like speed ran into their bedroom and like plugged it in and sat on it. And I remember like, I basically almost threw up because it was so intense, but oh. that was like the first time I came and I think I was, I was 13. Yeah. Like I was, that was the first time I had ever touched myself. Whoa. And then they had a jacuzzi bathtub with jets. And so I'd have like, I'm having a bad day. So I'd go take a jacuzzi bath and like use that to come too. So I, it's kind of like, even from my earliest memories touching myself, it was established that like, I don't use my hands for this. That's way too much work. Mm. <laughs> and I still stand by that. Like I don't, I cannot come if I'm just using my fingers. Like I have really? to have a toy and I think I kind of like set myself up for failure a little bit. Like <laughs> I set the bar too high as far as stimulation. And now it's like, that's been set permanently. So okay, it's well, like good and bad. Here's a question about that though. What's the longest you've ever taken with yourself? That's like a twofold answer because I am on antidepressants. Mm -hmm. So unwillingly it's taken me like 45 minutes to come yeah. because it's just taken that long. Yeah. But intentionally and like deliberately, I'd say probably like a half hour. Okay. And I think my own just impatience to come has made it so I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't yeah. want to take that long. I I think I made myself come with my fingers like once, but just out of desperation. Because like I lived at home with my parents in a hundred and something year old farmhouse. Like there wasn't a lot of privacy. Like it wasn't like, oh, this oh is so God. soundproof. I can... Isn't oh, it <laughs> amazing how you can be on a farm and there's so much space, but there's no privacy? No, there's like no doors. There's no yeah. insulation in the walls. Yeah. Like you can, hear, can everything. hear everything. People walk yep. in and out everywhere. Yes. Like you could be in the yes. middle of, for me, it's the orange trees. Like I can be in the middle of fucking orange grove, like trying to, you know, because I'm always trying to take naked <laughs> pictures and I'm trying not to be naked around my family all the time. They don't mind, right. but they're not like, they're not hippies. You know, they're like military right. medical <laughs> professionals on a farm. So, right. <laughs> you know, so, like, I try not to, like, assault them with my nudity, but it's, right. it's weirdly hard to get privacy sometimes. So I want to actually talk about my masturbation with hands for a second because I have been in a place lately where I haven't, with all of the stuff in the world that's going on right now, it's been so, I felt off a lot. And right. first, I just want to say I admire anyone who 
takes their time to make themselves come because I'm so used to having efficient masturbation sessions and I can do them with my hands. But if I <laughs> like if I'm trying to go to sleep and I can't make it happen in like five or ten minutes, I'm like, ah, good night. Okay. Like I'll get like lazy right. and go to sleep because I'm so tired. But last week, for the first time in months, a year maybe, I actually had a really delightful solo sex session. Now, I will say it involved a lot of edging where I like brought myself close and then was not not allowed to come. Right. And it was also because I was talking to my former master again via email for the first time. And so after a lot of back and forth, he made the suggestion because it was clear that I wanted it. I don't know if I should talk about (laughs) this yet, but also this won't come out for a few weeks. So we'll see where we are. But it was for me, I think I had to have that extra not okay. Maybe not had to have, but what I'm noticing about myself as a submissive is it's so much easier for me to take the time to drop into my body when someone else is telling me to do it, if that makes sense. So I guess I'm sharing that as a, first of all, admiration that you have taken time with yourself to even try, especially I know how much antidepressants can fuck up a mind and body, you know, (laughs) as much as they're helping, like the the side effects are very real. So yes. I just want to be like, ah, for doing that. And also, <laughs> I would be really curious what would happen if you ever were to explore with edging. I have. And I, oh, man, it is so hard for me. I'll like, I'll set a timer on my phone mm. and be like, you can't come until the timer goes off. Mm-hmm. And that's helped some. Like, I'm able to take my time and enjoy it now using a toy but still be more like connected to my body not be so like I guess utilitarian about coming like it's also like and that's one thing that motherhood like something about giving birth for me like it like awakened something in me of proving like I am a woman Mm -hmm. I my fertility and like I felt like this like fertile goddess and after my son was born I literally could come like five times in a row what? and I had like over and over and over. And like, it was, I had never experienced anything like that. Like I felt like my whole body was like electric. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't leave my husband alone. Like it was crazy. Oh, wow. And so I was able to like, it felt like I am like making love to myself. And also I'm like the pinnacle of just life and like I am the reason why the universe exists as a woman because I made someone that lives in this world like women run this entire world yeah. <laughs> and I felt so like empowered and just feminine and beautiful and I felt like this feminine energy just pouring out of me as I was like masturbating and so that definitely like shifted something in me of how I felt about like masturbating because it was like an expression of femininity and power not just i'm horny and i need to come so holy I fuck. definitely made progress <laughs> wow i'm curious to know going back to your bathtub sessions with those jets <laughs> specifically were you like on top of them are they going through your legs are you pressed up against it where is your body what's it how does um, it work I would like hang my legs over the edge. So I was basically like kind of sitting on my tailbone and like facing the jet. So my legs were like spread and up 
And so I was like, cause I'm one of those people, this is, I don't know, this is like maybe weird, but I cannot come if I'm standing up or like kneeling. Like I have to be flat on my back cause it's yeah. just so powerful that I'm I like, I'm going to fall over. <laughs> I get, I can't come if my legs are like, I have to like point my toes and or have them. I have to point my toes right. or have them near each other. I can do it standing up right. if I like have a shower head or whatever. Usually not with hands. Cause it's like too hard right. to focus. <laughs> and if I'm standing up, I usually have to have something to lean on. Cause I will kind of fall over. <laughs> so you have to be laying down. Can you be on your back or stomach or does it matter? I'm a big fan of being on my back. Cause I'm one of those people that's like, I have no amount of like sensitivity when I'm going at it. I don't have like a, like you can lift like the hood of my clit and put a vibrator at full speed directly on it. And it feels good. Wow. So I like the more, the more intense it is and the more direct it is, I'm okay with that. So being on my back with my legs, like spread Eagle, I'm like, get to it there's no like oh it's sensitive i need to like cross my legs or anything i'm like i'm intense (laughs) oh my gosh wait so even right away like with like like before you whoa that's so fun or is it extra is it extra hard to come well i guess yeah I, ah. i can go in like not even horny and I'm like, I feel like masturbating like mentally, but not physically yet. Uh And I can go in with a vibrator on full speed and instantly like directly onto my clit and not be oversensitized. Wow. I'm like a crazy person. I don't know why, but it's like, it's intense, but I'm also weaning off of my antidepressants because I'm like in a better place mentally and I'm experiencing my sexuality being actively sexual, not on antidepressants for the first time ever, because I was 18 when I got married and my husband's the only person I've ever had sex with. And I was on antidepressants when we had sex. So I've never had sex, not on antidepressants. Oh my gosh. And now I feel like a cat in heat. Like I can't, I can't keep myself off of him. Like I think about our sex life and I like turn into a puddle. So it's, it feels like a second puberty almost of like being like awakened, aware of like how everything makes me feel sexually Oh wow! because I'm not numbed out on the medication anymore. So it's been very interesting. And this has been in like the last month, probably. Holy cow. That's such a big deal. Yeah. How yeah. is he responding to that? I mean, he loves it. Like he's, he's such a great guy. He's very just supportive of like, in the past when I didn't feel like having sex because of the antidepressants, he'd be like, yeah, that's totally fine. Like, I don't want to have sex with you if you're just doing it because you feel like you should for me. Right. He's always been like, I want you to be enjoying it too. But now that I am enjoying it more, it's like every single night instead of once a week. And it seems like we've connected on like a spiritual level. So like two nights ago, it was like the best sex we've ever had ever. (gasps) Tell us, please tell us. So he, I can't remember how it started, but like, so we have gotten really into foreplay as like one of the main parts of our sex life, Mm -hmm. not just the act of penetration. Yes. Um, Because he struggled with a little bit of premature ejaculation in the past, which I don't like the term premature because it makes it sound like they did something wrong. Yes, I agree. It's more just like the wrong timing for the female, but them coming, there's nothing wrong with that. I agree. I think society likes to shame men about sex almost as much as they do women but it's not talked about as much very different ways too because there's this there's this expectation of like that there's a certain way to be a man 
and that right. if you can't control your orgasm, if your dick's not a certain size, if you don't. Right. Like, and now they get all these mixed messages about like, oh, you're a man if you get your pleasure. No, you're a man if you give her pleasure. You're not allowed to consider your, like, it's so stupid. Right. There's, There's a, lot. a lot of strings. Yeah. Yeah. But so we, him, us taking time to do a lot of foreplay makes it really good because it's like he makes sure that I come once before we ever have like penetrative sex. Mm -hmm. And so the pressure's off of like, if he comes before I come while we're actually having penetrative sex, it's not like, well, now I haven't gotten an orgasm out of it and he has. So it kind of takes the pressure off of both of us. And then also it's just because I am a very small person and he is a very large person. Oh, really? (laughs) Like, yes, he has like an eight inch dick. Like his dick is the size of my forearm. Like, oh my it's God. Ridiculous. <laughs> yes. And so, and I'm like tiny and it literally took a human head coming out of my vagina and me tearing so bad. I had to have 12 stitches in order for my vagina to be big enough to fit him in there without hurting. Whoa. Like <laughs> it was that much of a tightness that I literally would have to sit on the toilet after having sex and like cry. Cause I was so from the amount of stretching I had to do in order to have sex with him. And so now it's compatible finally. And so we've been able to really enjoy just both. It feels like our bodies work together better now. Yeah. So we, we went into the foreplay and we've gotten into like, I use a wand and like masturbate myself. And then he will like straddle me and like basically mouth fuck me while I touch myself. So that way, like, because I have to have both hands to do it, but I'm able to still like suck his dick. And I'm one of those people, like, I know you talk about a lot of like how hot it is for you to like perform oral sex on somebody else, like the amount of pleasure you get from it. And I'm the same way. Like now it is so hot. Like I love sucking a dick. Like (laughs) it's not like, Oh, this is such a chore. I'm like, please let me do this. So it makes me so like wet to be sucking his dick and also be touching myself. And so, but he's gotten really dominant. Like I've asked him to be more like, I want to have to ask permission to come or like, if I don't respond with like, yes, daddy, then I get spanked Mm -hmm. like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so we've gotten more into that, but he was like kneeling on the, or he was sitting on the edge of the bed and I was kneeling in front of him on the ground and I was using the wand and sucking his dick and like, he has started if I choke or like gag he'll like spank me and so then it's like a little bit of a timeout of like I have time to recover but also it's like it's still in that kind of submissive dominant dynamic and so then I was like because like I said before it's really hard for me to come if I'm not laying down Mm -hmm. and so it was like building up and it felt really good but it was like it was hard for me to get over that like edge of how good it felt. And so I had like my head, like I was laying basically on his thigh, like, like moaning and like whining. And then I would like put my mouth on his dick and like suck a little bit and then like lay back down and try and like power through it. And he was like, cause I'm very into like praise. So he was like, you're a good girl. Like you're doing a good job. And then he would like, shove his dick back into my mouth and I would like do it more. And then I finally like lay down on the bed. Cause I was like, I cannot, I, this is not going to happen. I have to lay down. And I laid on my back and like immediately just had the best orgasm I've ever had in my entire life. Oh. Like it was re- 
ridiculous. And I just laid there and like, I couldn't move like my legs, my arms, everything was numb. And I was just laying there like, Oh my God, it was insane. Like my whole body went numb. And, and then we, like we fucked after that. I can't remember what position we were in, but I know that was like, cause I'm one of those people like missionary is the best. Like I love missionary so much mm-hmm. and it gets a bad rap, but I'm like, this shit's amazing. I love missionary. It, yes. It's people, absolutely. people just don't like it. Cause that's the only thing they get sometimes. I think, right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's, great you position. You gotta mix it up. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it's it, and it was so like intimate, and I feel like a lot of people think you're either like fucking or you're making love. But it was like we were doing both, yes. like the intimacy yes. and the love is there, but the way you're approaching and the yes. way you're like treating each other, it's hot in that kind of rough way that I personally really enjoy. So it was like the best of both worlds. Oh my god! So it was yeah. And then last night it was basically the same, but just like a different variety. So. <laughs> Um, it's going very well right now. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Okay, when you were having your amazing orgasm on the bed, where was he? Was he over you? Was he watching, touching? He was, like, to the side, um, like, kind of kneeling next yeah. to me. So his dick, because, I mean, his dick's really long. So he can be kind of far away from me and still be able to. But he, I'm really into, like, nipple play. Because mm-hmm. I used to have my nipples pierced before mm-hmm. I had a baby and was breastfeeding. So, yeah. like they became more sensitive from that. And then I've discovered that like stroking them or pinching them is like my kryptonite. Like that will send me over the edge if I can't get like it. Oh my God. I, yes. And he'll like take his thumb and like circle around my nipple, like on my areola and then like stroke them and kind of like, this sounds gross, but like kind of milk me because I'm like, (laughs) I'm, breastfeeding so I have milk come out and then it makes them like wet and then the feeling of like the milk drying it gets kind of like cold so we're dealing with like a little bit of like temperature play fuck yeah and so then it's like another sensation and so then he was like doing that like alternating each nipple and then also choking with the other hand and then like and then like pulling it out and coaching me it was delicious (laughs) That is so awesome. And I think it's just so beautiful what you said about laying your head on his leg while you're deep or were you deep throating him? You said you, he said you, I would deep throat and then I would like gag and like rest yeah. for a minute. Yeah, and so it was, gag, like so was like alternating. <sighs> yeah. I, just, I was like resting and then would get back into it. That is just, and it felt like I would, I would put my head like on his chest and like, like hear his heart and like feel his chest on my head. And it was like this, it is kind of like a daddy little where it's like, he's the big dominant one. And I'm like this little thing that he's in charge of. And I'm a control freak in my regular life. So it's like, I'm not in charge right now. I'm clocking out. Like you're the one boss of me around. Amazing. So I felt it. Yeah. It was I felt my submissive self like fully come out and sometimes I'm like the bratty sub that deliberately doesn't do what I should to get spanked and I was like I'm not the bratty sub tonight like I just want to like make you happy and do whatever you want so it was incredible that is beautiful oh my god (laughs) I want to circle back I want to hear more details about your deliciousness but first were there any other cocks that have ever been inside your mouth? Like any experiences pre-husband that we should know about? Yeah. So basically I feel like my relationship with sex with guys was like, I didn't have my first boyfriend until I was 15. 
And I dated this guy and he was very much like a kind of one of those like go make me a sandwich misogynistic, like just kind of a douchebag. (laughs) And his idea of like us having, you know, any kind of sexual interaction would be like him going down on me for literally 30 seconds and then being like, okay, my turn. Because I mean, he was 17. So it's just that kind of like impatient and just insensitive kind of just douchebag guy and so I didn't enjoy that at all I had no like texture from him in any way and then I realized that I was bisexual and I was like I'm really confused right now and I need to like not be in a committed relationship with somebody especially when they're not the best person and so then I actually ended up dating a girl very briefly and I never really like we never did anything other than kiss a little bit, but it was like, that was the first time I ever enjoyed kissing somebody. It was like, this is what this is supposed to feel like because I, I loved her. And it was like this, it felt like, Oh, okay. I get it now. Like I see what we're getting at. (laughs) And then I had, I mean, I feel like as a teenage girl in like this generation, you've definitely seen a lot of dicks because you get dick pics when you don't want them. Can you talk about that though? For for people like myself and others who are older than you, where does it start? I think the first time I ever got one like unwanted was there was a guy that I was talking to that I liked, like I liked him, but it wasn't, we weren't really doing anything. And then we like hung out one day and I think we kissed once, but it was like nothing else. And then he got home and he was like, he's just out of nowhere, sent me a picture of him just holding his dick. And like, I was like, what the hell? Like, why did you send me that? And he was like, I'm sorry. I'm just having a bad day. And I was like, what? How does that make it better? <laughs> what about that makes your day better? Because now you just made my day bad. Like, I don't want to see that. Yeah. And it was so, like, also, even if that did make you feel better, I'm not just a sounding board for, yeah. like, I'm having a bad day. Let me violate your eyeballs with my penis. Like, I don't want to see that. Yeah. So it was, it was just, that was my first experience. And then I don't think I ever got another dick pic, but I definitely, like, you know, it's, you're a teenager and you're texting guys and it turns into sexting. And yeah. so you have to like hear about it a lot. And when you're into it, it's like, Oh, this is hot. But then like looking back now, I'm like, what, like what, what the fuck yeah. was I doing? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. why was I wasting my time talking to these people with that just didn't, didn't know what they were doing. And so then I dated one more person before I met my husband and he was very obviously a closeted gay person very clearly had a lot of like internalized homophobia and a lot of issues in his own sexuality. And I remember, cause I was 18 at that point. So I was more like into actually considering like having sex. I remember telling him like, you know, are you into any kinks? Like, are you into like rape fantasies, like consensual rape fantasies mm-hmm. or like, you know, spanking or choking or whatever. And he was like, oh my God, that's disgusting. What's wrong with you? I would never do something like that. And I was like, fuck you. Like yeah. I straight up was like, you're not going to shame me for what I think is hot. Like Good I'm not doing you. anything wrong. And so we broke up and then like two weeks later I met my husband and then we started dating like a month after that. So it was pretty much like I had never experienced 
anything good sexually from another person besides that one kiss with that one girl until I met my husband and I was 18. And like, I, I performed blowjobs on my first boyfriend, the like douchebag guy when I was mm-hmm. 15. And I remember being like, this sucks. Like I hated it because it was out of pressure. It wasn't like, I love you and I want you to feel good. Let me do something for you. It was like literally just doing it to get him off my back and leave me alone. So he'd stop pressuring me, which I think is more common than people realize. Like, you're just like fine. Will you stop bugging me if I do this? Yeah. And that's why I did it. And it was like, we had no privacy because we were teenagers. Like, I think the first time I ever sucked his dick was in a garden shed in his grandmother's backyard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like it was that, like there was no like, Ooh, this is romantic. This is not, it was like, and then, then I think one time I sucked his dick at his church <laughs> in the parking lot. <laughs> and like, I literally came back inside and I think I looked down and I had a cum stain on my shirt. Oh my like, it was, gosh. <laughs> it was never like, this is a romantic thing. We're going to make each other feel good. It was like, this is a job. It was a literal blow job. Like, yeah. it was, it was, and now it's like, I have like a blow hobby, not a blow job. <laughs> a blow passion, one might say. That's right. There you go. <laughs> Uh, wow. Uh, I That's amazing. I mean, that sucks. And I think is really relatable. The the, non, <laughs> the non-romantic blowjob job right. feeling part. Yeah. Um, wow. How did you know you were bisexual? And how, how did you discover you were bisexual? And how did you discover all of those kinky things that you liked at a younger age? Um, so it's, and I feel like this might be a relatable experience for a lot of bisexual or lesbian women like I watched the L word Mm. on Netflix and Shane the kind of androgynous one was like oh my god like I was so confused because I was like holy fuck like I want to fuck the shit out of this woman and I was so confused because I was like am I gay because I also was dating somebody that I wasn't attracted to I didn't like his dick I didn't so it was like am I gay? Because I'm not enjoying men at all. And I really enjoy women. <laughs> and so I actually, when I came out to my parents, I came out as gay. Oh, wow. Because I was, I was a little confused. And then I remember like, I was watching The Bachelor with my mom and like seeing one of the hot guys and I remember like, oh, that guy's hot. And she was like, are you gay? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and oh. then I was like, I think it might just not be that black and white. Like, I think it's just that I like people that I like. And so that was when I kind of realized. And as far as like my kinks, I feel like a lot of it, I've definitely discovered through porn, which I feel like is pretty common. Um, I remember discovering like my exhibition is kind of voyeurism. There was one video and I've never been able to find it again. And it bothers me so badly. But it was a video of a girl and she was like at a sex party and she was, I think she was sucking a guy's dick on like on a couch. And then someone came up behind her and like started eating her ass. And I remember seeing in the background of the video, there were guys just standing around like jacking off watching her. And I remember being like, I want to be literally anyone in this video. (laughs) I want to partake just somehow. God, please let me be a part of this. And then I was like, I think that might be called voyeurism and exhibitionist. Like I realized that. And then just talking with like my husband, like I remember 
the first time we ever really hung out, because he's a pretty open sexual person, he said, I'm into anything as long as it doesn't involve my butthole or going to the hospital. (laughs) I remember being like, oh, so you say anything. So I remember like being like anything. And then I kept asking him like, what about this? What about this? And I mean, obviously I think now like knowing more about what everything is, I'm like, no, no, we're definitely not into everything. Cause someone is into anything. There's someone out there that's into like, Poop play. Like, there's stuff I'm like, no. Oh, yeah. I'm not fucking with that. I don't do, like, needles. (laughs) I don't do blood. I don't do poop. Like, but as far as I think some more of the, like, commonly known kinks, I'm pretty much into anything. So I remember, like, finding out about, like, daddy play and stuff like that. And I was like, holy shit, that's hot. Like, I remember finding out and instantly being like, yes, I want that. And I remember asking him, like, would you ever let me call you daddy? And he was like, yeah, I guess if you'd want to. And now he's like, he's into it. I get to like, he gets a look in his eye. I'm like, that's like the dominant coming out. It's not just like, you seem to like this and I'm going to make you feel good. So I'll do it. It's like, he, he wants it just as much as I do now. And so I think we've been able to like discover what we're both into at the same time, just through trial and error. So that's been, it's been cool to discover what we both like at the same time. That's amazing. I was briefly talking to a married dude on OkCupid who is in an open relationship, and he was talking about how he didn't super duper get into being called daddy until he had a kid. Oh. It was that at play for you guys at all? Uh, I don't think. I think it was going on before then, but I think it's weird because it feels like it more coincided with the fact that I was more overwhelmed becoming a mom and feeling stressed and like the pressure of trying to take care of everyone else. And so it was like, you need to be the one in charge. And like, I don't want to be an adult. I want you to like take care of everything and be the daddy. And I'm just enjoying you like telling me what to do. So I think it was like, it changed because my stress levels increased yeah. because of having a kid, but not so much the fact that I had a kid. Got it. Well, that's why I like to ask because that context is different for everyone. And right. the turn on is valid, I think, in all the ways. And it's just absolutely interesting to kind of hear the different textures. Right. So in your explorations together, have you come upon anything so far that one of you is interested in exploring that the other is like, no, I'm not there yet? So I've always wanted to just, like, be pissed on Mm -hmm. sexually. I can't figure out why yet. Like, Mm -hmm. I haven't gotten to the bottom of why I think it's hot. Because I can pretty much pinpoint, like, why something turns me on. But that, I'm like, I'm not sure yet. (laughs) But he's like, that's a hard no for him. Like, he he does not do that. He's like, I'm sorry, but I will literally never do that. And then he's also very, very straight. He has no interest in anything with men. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to have like a threesome with two guys. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we're both into the idea of a threesome. But for him, it has to be a woman. Because mm-hmm. he's like, I just can't do it. Like, he doesn't even watch porn if there's a guy. And he only watches like Whoa, girl Because really? he's that he's that unattracted. The men that he's like, it ruins it for me. Like, wow. I don't, it's not, it's a turn off for him. So that's definitely something that like, it has to be a woman in us for for us to ever do that. Yeah. So that's kind of something, but at this point I'm like, I don't mind. It's not like, 
I'm heartbroken over the idea of it. I'm more just interested in having a threesome at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, so does that mean that sex parties are also off the table? Because there would presumably be dudes there. Or do you think he'd be more flexible? <laughs> if, or is that something you'd even be into? I'm very into it. And we've talked about it of like, for him, I said, like, would you ever do it where like, we were on a stage fucking and everyone just watched. And he's like, yeah, I would consider that. I think for him, it's like, he doesn't want to be like touched by anybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He doesn't want some guy coming up and like slapping him on the ass. And I'm like, that's valid. Like yeah. if you don't feel comfortable or safe doing something, you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah. But he's more about like, I think he just doesn't want to like physically interact with another guy in any sexual way. And I'm like, yeah, that's totally valid. Like I totally get that. If that's a boundary that he has, but. And that's a thing that, like, I liked what you talked about in one episode about how boundaries during sex, it's permission to enjoy the other person. It's yeah. not being closed off of, like, all the things you don't get to do. It's knowing that if you're doing something and they're not saying no or setting a boundary, they're enjoying it because clearly they're able to communicate what they want out of it. That's something that I feel like is such an important part. If you've established that communication. I just exactly. want to be, I'd always just like to be very exactly. clear because sometimes people are like, they didn't speak up. I could do whatever I want. And I'm like, no, no, no. Only if you have a, an agreement. Only if you've had a conversation. Or I know a lot of people don't use safe words, but they have communication figured out so that they understand that a no does mean a no. Right. Or they, you know, they can read their yeah. partner's cues when they're married. But yes, getting to explore each other inside of the boundaries. Beautiful. So when you met your husband, were you like, oh, yeah, he's were like, were you, was it like sexy immediately? Or how did you go from like dating to like this hot relationship that's also sexy? So I, let's see. I remember being like, because I had been through so much with guys that I was like, I don't want to jump into anything. Like, I was very kind of a little bit like disillusioned with guys. And so I was like, you know, let's just hang out. Let's see how things go. And I remember like inst pretty much instantly falling in love with him and like same with him. Like we instantly were just like, oh, shit, like this is serious. But I was very much I wanted to wait until I felt like I was in a good place to have sex with him. Yeah. And, but he was so understanding about that, that I remember like, we literally would like make out in his bed and then go take a shower. And like, we didn't do anything sexual. We just like, that was the first time I ever saw a man naked was us just showering together. And we'd like wash each other's backs and listen to music and talk. Oh my and then like get out of the shower and put on, like I'd wear one of his t-shirts and we'd like sleep in his bed. And it was so comfortable that it was just like. I felt so safe with him. And then we were both doing like, I think it was like biology homework or something. Cause I was still in high school and he was in college when we were dating, but we were both like doing our science homework. And I remember being like, can you make love to me? And he was like, sure. And so we like threw all the like science homework off the bed. And he, I remember him like, cause I basically was laying down and he was like kneeling above me, like, about to put it in and he said later on he was like looking at me like I don't know if this is gonna fit <laughs> because of our size difference he was like I don't know how this is gonna work but it, I mean it worked fine really? and then he ended up he bought me bagels and flowers and then we like hung out for the rest of the day and it was like I think I made a good choice oh and so then from that point on we were like you know obviously sexually active and then 
we got married when I was 20, I think. And looking back now, I realized that like a lot of our sex life up until probably the last year was, and I think this is common in women, but it's not talked about enough of women because of porn and society. I think we feel like there's a role we have to fill in sex of like, the girl that's into anything or the girl that, you know, moans a lot, or there's like these things that girls feel like they should be doing during sex. And looking back, I realized that I was doing a lot of those Mm -hmm. because I felt like that's what he wanted because we weren't communicating enough. And I also, because of every sexual experience I had had before, it was kind of, I was conditioned to think that like my pleasure was optional, but theirs was mandatory. Yeah. And so it was like, well, if I don't come or it doesn't feel good, you know, like that's just part of it. And I wasn't really advocating for myself. And over the course of like, probably the last year, I've gotten more comfortable with being like, hey, let's use a toy because that helps me like be able to come before we have sex so that I'm, you know, more like lubricated and more relaxed and it doesn't hurt to have penetration and stuff. And now it's like, I don't feel guilty about that anymore. And it used to be like, I'm sorry, this is taking so long Mm. because of my antidepressants. And I would end up like feeling bad about it or being like ashamed or crying and stuff. And it was like, looking back now, I realized like we were kind of having a rough patch sexually, Mm -hmm. not so much in the ways of like, you know, it's horrible or we're not having any sex at all, but it definitely could have been better because I see how good it is now. Um, I remember basically going from me just sitting there, like using my toy and either like watching a video with him or to him just kind of like kissing on me and then us switching to me sucking his dick while I did that. It took off the pressure of like, you're not enjoying this or you're not getting to participate. And now it's like, it's just an extension of our sex life. It's not this before we get to have sex let me use my toy. It's like, it just kind of flows smoothly because it's like, we both feel good. We're both experiencing pleasure. And then we just get to experience a different kind of pleasure. Mm. And so that's been really nice because I've been able to take that guilt off of myself and also feel like I'm being a more authentic version of myself because I'm not, I don't need to make certain noises or be like the girl, you know, in porn where it's like a guy touches a girl and she's instantly like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. yeah. (laughs) so unrealistic and I'm like I don't need to do any of that I don't owe anyone anything what I'm doing to make myself feel good and be with someone else that's enough I don't owe anyone a performance and so I think probably in the last year is when that mindset really shifted and ever since and it's been what it is now and it seems like literally every time we have sex it like is better than the last time like how is this humanly possible that it's getting better and better and better but it does and so that's been And especially since going off my antidepressants, like I, because I've recently learned about the difference in responsive, uh, what is it called? Responsive Responsive, desire. Yes. Versus like, um, involuntary or spontaneous. Yes. And I've only ever been like a responsive person because of my, you know, my antidepressants, it's like sex. But then once I'm having, I'm like, this is nice. But now not being on them anymore, I'm like standing in the kitchen like, holy shit, like he needs to come home so that I can fuck his brains out because I'm actually able to like feel all those experiences of like 
you know, you get the, like the tingles in your stomach or you can yeah. feel yourself like, get all warm and tingly thinking about it. And I've, I've never experienced that when it comes to sex because I was with people that I didn't like. And then I was on antidepressants with the person that I did like. And so now I'm getting the experience both. And I'm like, is this how guys feel like, because I feel like it's more common that guys are like, you know, they get the spontaneous desire. Yeah. And I'm like, are you like, are you okay? Because I literally can't think about like not having sex for a day or I would like lose my mind. And he's like, yeah, it's terrible. It's hard. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. It's very hard. And I get it now. I'm like, that seems like it would be miserable Yeah. to be with someone that's like, Ugh, I don't, don't touch me. I don't want to do that. And it's like, that makes me sad for all the guys that are married to women that are the, you know, like, well, all you have to do is just lay there. And it's like, you guys aren't giving each other what you need. If that's what is expected of your sex life is like, please just let me fuck you. All you have to do is lay there. Yeah. And the woman's like, okay, fine. Like get it over with. I'm like, something's not clicking. If that's the kind of, you know, because both people deserve better. Yeah. Well, and I can also, when, when I feel like I go into the dark places, when I feel depression or anxiety or stress or overwhelm, and I feel my own normally like very rampant, like always desirous of touch self suddenly be like, eh, like I understand right. the reverse. And I'm just like, oh, right. It's not just a matter of like, well, did you masturbate long enough? Like, well, do you know your yeah. body? You know, like it's, it's not so simple and it's right. Yeah. I, I feel you. I'm really curious about what you said about this shift happening for you where you felt kind of permission to not do the noises performatively and to, you know, feel like you're allowed to use your vibrator. Do you feel like it was your desire that caused that shift or was there something else you can pinpoint? I think it was mainly just communication mm -hmm. because it was, it stopped being this like, I have a sexual self and this is like the persona that I take on when I'm having sex. And this is the authentic self that I have. Yeah. It's more like I kind of merged the two and now it's my authentic self having sex. And so I've been able to kind of, you know, it feels like there's like, oh, this certain voice that you use in the bedroom or, you know, this is the, I'm this slinky little sexual mix. And it's like, <laughs> I, that's not. I'm not a slinky little sexual minx. Like I'm a kind of awkward person that yes. likes to talk a lot. And I'm kind of loud and rowdy and like, I'm never going to be that person. And I shouldn't be that person because if he wanted that person, he would have married them, exactly. not me. Oh. I'm never going to be the quiet, like I'm demure and I, Oh, look at me. I'm like, I can't yeah. do that. Like I'm not, <laughs> I, I feel like if you can't laugh while you're having sex with somebody, you're not with the right person. If you feel like you have to take on the serious role of like, I, now I'm the sexual self, then you're not actually being able to be, you're comfortable with somebody. Yeah, it's definitely not my vibe. I have to have someone that when bodies make funny noises, it's okay when I giggle. And then what led to that communication? Do you feel like you just got more comfortable with yourselves? I think that, which this is such a, like a touchy subject because I feel like it has a lot of stigma around it. Mm -hmm. But I actually ended up, I think it would be, it will be two years in April. I found out that he had cheated on me over Snapchat with a girl. Like he had received nudes from her and then like sexted with her in message and stuff. And it was kind of like this, like a breaking point of all of the dysfunction that was going on in our mm -hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and I hate the stigma around cheating of like, 
the idea that if something like that happens, obviously they don't love you or just throw the whole relationship away or like, and I used to be that kind of person. And now it's like, there's so many complex layers of why something like that was going on. And it was like, this can't keep going on the way it's going on because obviously something like this is going to happen. And it did happen. And so it like, it felt like an exorcism of everything that was not being talked about in our Mm. relationship. That was an issue of any feelings of, you know, inadequacy or, you know, because he's struggled with, you know, some like sexual shame Mm -hmm. or because he didn't grow up in a household like mine. So it was kind of this, there's secrecy around sexuality. And so it felt, it was like, that was it manifesting itself in an action of his. And so then it was like, we had to actually face everything that was creating issues in our relationship because the options were like, this can happen or we can deal with it and it not happen again and be healthy. And so that forced us to be healthy. And it sounds so weird because I feel like unless you've experienced something like this, you're going to be like, what the fuck is she talking about? But like that happening was probably the best thing that could have happened to our marriage Mm. because it brought everything to the surface. It, nothing could be kept secret anymore because it's like, this is what secrecy is creating. This is what's breeding out of us having any kind of shame around any sexuality. And that's not what we want. That's not what marriage should be. And so that happening ended up making it so that now it's like, we don't have any secrets and we don't have any kind of shame about anything for either of us and turning sex into something where it's an expression of love and an expression of this is how comfortable we are with each other. It feels like every time that we do that and we do have sex, that's so good. Or we are expressing how we feel about each other through sex. Like I told him the other night after we had that, like the most amazing sex ever. I said, it feels like when we have sex like this, the strings that tether our hearts together, new ones are put in and it's like that connection becomes deeper or the ones that got broken before when he cheated, those get tied back together. We are like knitting each other and our souls like closer and closer to each other because when you strip everything away, you strip away all of, you know, the day-to-day stuff or the stress or the little bickering arguments. Those two people that are experiencing that that feeling and that vulnerability and that love between one another during sex, that's who ended up together. Yeah. You know, like that's who got married. That's who you have to remember is still in there even when you don't like the other person. Yeah. Like hang on to that because that person's in there. So when that person's bugging you, remember, like, those are the people that fell in love. Those strings are there tethering each other, even if at the moment it doesn't feel like it. What was pregnant sex like? Oh, my God. <laughs> it was, for one, it was amazing because I didn't have to worry about getting pregnant. That yeah. was like, oh, my God. Yeah. That was fantastic because I'm like, well what could happen already happened. Yeah. Um, and now it's so, I hate using condoms so much and I'm so paranoid about having another kid that I like, I can't do it without it and enjoy myself, but I'm like, God, I miss not having to do this. But it was a real adjustment because they don't talk about how much you're like 
hips spread in pregnancy to like accommodate what's going to happen. And so I went from being like so incredibly tight to like, I remember the one, like it was literally like from one time to the next, my hips spread and he like put it in. And I remember being like, did you put it in? <laughs> because I was so like oh, wow. wide now because of the way my body had shifted. And he was like, yes, it's in right now. And I was like, oh my God. That adjustment was just wild. Like, what the fuck? But then it was like, it took getting used to. But then after that, it was like, I don't know. People talk about like, oh, how gross they felt during pregnancy. And I've never felt more attractive. Like, I felt so fucking hot. And I gained like 100 pounds when I was pregnant. I was, I weighed what he weighed when we started dating when I was pregnant. Wow. (laughs) And so I was, I mean, I was huge and I had giant tits and I was just like this big, juicy, like plump, like I felt like those little figurines that you find in like the history museums of like the goddess of fertility. Yes. That's what I felt like I looked oh, like. Oh, wow. But I loved it. Like I was like, I'm making a person like nobody can like top me. Like I am the best. I'm making a human like fight me. I'm making <laughs> And so I felt so empowered that it was, it was great. And it was so, it was like, I, if I could be pregnant all the time and then nine months not be pregnant, like invert it, I would, because I loved how I've looked so much. (laughs) That's amazing. I, I loved it. So pregnant sex was pretty good, but that was before the whole, like finding out that he was cheating thing. That was, yeah like a few months after my son was born. And so oh, it wow. was, it was like pre kind of like the upheaval of everything. Yeah. So I'd say that right now is definitely the best sex we've ever had. Like wow. even better than pregnant sex. Fuck yeah. And then can you just tell us a little bit, because this is something that I know people who've had babies recently who were like, I didn't know about this. What was your recovery like vagin v- vagina wise? <laughs> I tore, so I had to have stitches. Yeah. So that was, uh, it was, I'd say postpartum is harder than giving birth. Yeah. Like, I don't care what anyone says because you literally, I mean, you've been torn open by a human head. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's an experience, but for me, and I actually like listen to the doctors, they say like, wait four to six weeks before having sex. And mm-hmm. then people don't listen and they come to their six week follow up and they find out they're pregnant. Oh, which is a thing. Oh yes. my God. Yes. And I'm like, that was my worst fear. So we didn't do anything till I think I was six weeks postpartum. Wow. But like, I remember it, the pain went away pretty quickly. And then it was just more like knowing that I needed to not do it. So it was actually not that bad, but then it just turned into me being so incredibly horny <laughs> from all the hormones and not being like knowing that we couldn't do something that like it's now off limits. I mean, we would like (laughs) the baby would be sleeping and we'd like get in the shower and just like slam each other up against the shower walls and be like pulling on each other's hair because we were so sexually frustrated. I mean, it was just like, we wanted to fuck each other so badly. And I felt I was constantly horny, like all the time couldn't think about it like I was so distracted by how horny I was and so it actually the recovery wasn't that bad as far as pain but it was very frustrating yeah Yeah. 
What about having a toddler? Has that a schedule wise? Is that affected you? Do you have to just like work around naps or what do you do? So my husband works from like four in the morning till like five o'clock at night. So I'm pretty much like home alone all day, every day, except for the weekends. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's made my need for sex more than I thought it would. Like you hear a lot about, you know, like once you have a kid, the sex tapers off. But for me, it's like, I need to be an adult that is sexual, that is being touched by another adult. It's not, you know, a kid climbing on me. It's like, I am a sexual being. I have autonomy. This is me expressing myself with another adult. So it's made sex, I'd say, more of a priority than ever before, even before having a kid, which I think is a side of becoming a parent and how that affects your sexuality that it needs to be told more because people it's like, Oh God, what is it going to do to our sex life? It can actually make it better. It can make you realize how much it matters to you and how Mm -hmm. important it is to have that expression with someone else. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you have to make it a priority and realize that like that sex is important to a relationship. Like they talk about that of like, you can have a relationship where like you don't have sex a lot. You can have a relationship without a lot of sex, but you can't have it without sex at all. Like it is vital to a relationship. You have to do it. It is a physical connection. It is needs being met. It is communication without talking. So those qualities are more important than ever when you have a kid, because it's not easy and it's very stressful. It's very hard sometimes. And you have to remember that before there was that kid, there was just you two and you loved each other and you got together for a reason and you had a baby for a reason. And you have to remember that those people are still there. So I think that sex can still be a very big part of your life, even as a parent. Mm. And I, I want to be the happy mom, not the mom that yells. And in order to do that, I need to be fucked (laughs) right. Yes, please. God, Because I am a bitch when I don't have sex. I am awful. Like, I'm like, I know that this is why, but like, I'm being terrible because Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't, I hate the person that I am when I'm not being like actually sexual on a sexual on a regular basis because it just. I'm an, I'm an angry person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Are there any other things about your sex life or fantasies that you'd like to explore either real or things that will stay in fantasy that we should know about? Hmm. I definitely, I mean, obviously like we talked about before, like sex parties or like, I think there's definitely the side of sex that will possibly happen later down the road. Like we definitely want to have a threesome. That's something that's like, definitely going to be a real fantasy that comes true Mm -hmm. but then there are also ones like i'd love to get like gang banged by a ton of guys yeah and be like the one girl and just go around and suck all their dicks and then be like worshiping me like i'm a goddess like that probably is never gonna happen unless somehow for god forbid i end up like single again right but like there's definitely things that i'm like yeah that's probably not gonna happen but i'm okay with it and i'd say like a gangbang or obviously like a threesome with two guys. I'd love to do that. But then the 
the more realistic fantasies. I feel like I'm working on making them come true. Like I told my husband, like, I want you to start like getting mad at me during sex. Like if I don't do what you want me to do or I'm not doing the right way, I want you to like flip me over and spank me as hard as you can. Uh, Is he into that? He started doing that. (gasps) Yes. He started doing that. And he, we watched a video on like how to properly spank when oh, you have the, like, you. the loose wrist so it really actually hurts, mm-hmm. not just like the stiff arm. Mm-hmm. And so he started doing it like that. And I'm like, holy shit, this hurts. Like yeah. before I'm like, oh, spank me. And he wouldn't. I'd be like, that doesn't hurt that bad. I think my pain tolerance is high. It no, it just wasn't being hurt properly. Him more. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh my God, my ass is bright red and it's like numb. It's stinging so bad. But it's like, I like that. I'm definitely a little bit into like masochism. Like when I got my nipples pierced, I was like, Ooh, this feels good. Mm. (laughs) Like someone shoved Mm -hmm. a needle through my nipple and I was like, Hmm, this doesn't hurt. Like this feels pretty good. Wow. Do you have an aftercare practice? Um, he definitely like, as soon as we both come, he instantly like, lays down next to me and wraps me in his arms mm. and I like bury my face in his chest. And like lately, most of the time I end up crying mm. just because of how much emotion comes out during it. Yeah. And then he'll just, you know, like stroke my hair and talk to me and we, you know, we kiss and kind of like recap or I'll tell him, you know, like I really liked when you did that. Or I think next time I'd really enjoy it if you'd, you know, like, be more stern with me or whatever, like just specific communication in the moment right after it's happened. Yeah. Because I think that opens up the doors for like, it's relevant to be talking about like, Hey, next time when you're fucking me, can you slap my ass harder? Instead of being like in the middle of the grocery store and be like, by the way, (laughs) it's important to like do it while the opportunity is there to communicate with each other. But yeah, we definitely like, he always holds me and we just talk about how it made us both feel and then we'll like usually like shower and then go to bed and it's like that's how we end our night and wow. so he's very good about the aftercare of making sure that I'm not you know just like left alone yeah. like it's instantly like now he's the kind sweet present person that's like loving me and telling me how nice that was so I never have to wonder like is that how you actually feel about me? Yeah. Like, are you actually stern and angry towards me? Because I think that a lot of, there's a lot of ideas around what actual like subdom is and what it should be, mm-hmm. especially because you have stuff like 50 shades of gray. That's literally just yep. an abusive relationship with yep. sex. Yep. That person shouldn't be using it as a way to abuse you. Correct. That's not how sex should be. <laughs> that's fucked up. Yep. And so, You have to, if that person is using you, asking them to dominate you as a reason or an excuse to hurt you or make you cry and it not be like, oh my God, that was amazing. But like, oh my God, I feel so alone and I got hit during sex and now I'm abandoned. That's, that's like, that will fuck you up. You can't be doing shit like that. Like that, that's not BDSM, that's abuse. So I think definitely advocating for having proper aftercare is a vital part of that. And if the person that you're with doesn't want to do that, they don't want to make you feel good. They want to hurt you and get away with it. I just love that you said all of that stuff because I think people forget that aftercare is 
just as important as discussing your boundaries, discussing your limits, setting a safe word if you're doing that, and reconnecting so that you know that you're not actually an abuser and you're not actually yeah. an abused human and you're like, oh no, yeah, this is consensual. Love you, cuddle. Or whatever it is. Exactly. Whatever it looks like for you. <laughs> yep. Exactly. You said that your husband works long days that start very early. Are you able to sext him or send him nudes at all throughout the day? No, because he doesn't have access to his phone because oh. of the kind of dog he has. Okay. Okay. So it's literally like I don't hear from him until he's home, which is kind of nice because it makes it. I think if you're in a relationship with someone, you need opportunities to miss them. Mm -hmm. I think that's very important. And so I miss him so much during the day. Oh, so when I see so him, sweet. it's not, oh, it's you. You know, it's not, he's not furniture to me. It's like, it's you. Finally, you're back. Like, and so I think that that kind of, it's a, beneficial part because I get to think about, you know, like, oh my God, last night was so amazing. I can't wait to get to experience it again. And also I feel like in the past when I have had the opportunity to sex, most of the time it's like, I talk a big talk and then he comes home and I'm like, oh God, not tonight. I'm so tired. So <laughs> glad that I don't. I don't have the opportunity to like lead him on and be a giant tease about it because <laughs> I would feel so bad and be like, I can't wait for you to come home and touch me. And then he comes home and I'm like, Ugh, no, I have a headache. So yeah, I think it's probably for the best that I'm not able to do that. <laughs> Is there anything else about your sex life that we need to know? Hmm. I think the main thing that I just want to make sure that like, my, my story sexually is making sure that other people realize that becoming a mom doesn't mean that you are not a sexual person anymore. The idea that like, well, a good mom, you know, it's, you have to realize that your sexuality and becoming a mother are not like mutually exclusive. You can be a sexual person that has autonomy and you're so attracted to your spouse and you want to fuck them so badly and you love being with them and also be the maternal, soft, caring mom. It doesn't have to be time to kill all those other parts of yourself now that you've had a kid and your husband's just put on the back burner or, or wife. I mean, as for, you know, gay couples, it's like, it's not just, well, we had a kid. Now that part of our sex life is done, you know, just go ahead and bury it. And I think that that's something that needs to be talked about more in society. It needs to be advocated for. It needs to be you're allowed to still be who you were before you had a kid yeah. and just have a kid. Fuck you yeah. don't have to change who you are. And if you're a sexual person before you have a kid, be a sexual person after you have a kid. Yeah. Because kids don't want the I'm now the perfect mom that has no personality yeah. or no needs. I'm just this shell that takes care of you. Kids need the healthy, happy parent that is themselves, that is fulfilled, that is present and has a good relationship with that child's other parent. And that requires sex. You need to be having sex in order to be that person. Because having sex with my husband reminds me that I'm, a I'm able to be taken care of. I'm able to be dominated. I'm not just the boss of somebody else all day. My body is not just a vessel to make people 
or my boobs are not just to feed a baby. I am still a sexual being, even though I'm able to do those things as well. And I think that is something that every mom needs to hear. And that is something I really hope that people are able to get out of my story on this podcast. That's what I want to put out into the world. Beautiful. Lastly, if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age would you pick and what would you say? I would choose not specifically like a year, but just I would say as a teenager from probably like 13 to 18, I would say that your sexuality and your pleasure are not optional. They are a priority. And if the person that you are dating or talking to makes you feel like you feeling good is a burden or their sexual needs are more important than yours, you shouldn't be with them, especially as a female. You you are owed sexual pleasure from the person that you are with. Your sexuality is not a tool for them to use to get off. Your sexuality is your own tool and you use it how you want to use it, not how they're asking you to use it for them. Fuck yes. <laughs> Fuck yes. Do you have a sex question you want to ask me? This is, and if you're not comfortable answering, I totally understand, but I was just curious, how many people have you had sex with? Hold on. Let me see. I think it's, okay. this might have come up recently. Uh, hold on. 46 is what is the good number for is, you. is what I have written down. <laughs> oh my God. Good for you. I'd, I'd have to go back and check that list. It's funny because I think people expect my number to be higher. And I know some people are like, oh, I will never talk about a number. And I'm sort of like, <laughs> I sort of find numbers so arbitrary to be honest. And so I don't yeah. want to share that number without providing context of like, I started right. out as a counter. I started out as a person right. who was like, I'm going to find the right candidate for my virginity. I actually think that was really wise. Like as a young person, that was just kind of intuitive. Like I wanted to make sure I would be with someone that would like show me a good time. And I was. Right. And we and we might get coffee again soon. Like we're still we're still friends. We've been Yay. loose friends. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, awesome. it's very it's very sweet. And 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 I would say for the first yeah, the first maybe 15, 20 people, I was still kind of like counting those numbers. And then I, st I and then I was sort of like, why am I, what does counting mean? Why am what? I doing this? And I realized for me, so just so you know, the number that I have written down is not a number. It's a list of people because I like to know exactly. the order and I want to make sure that I never forget anybody. And my intention is to go back and write down all the details of everything I can remember about them. And so I just looked at the groupings and had to kind of figure out that number from there. Oh, I love that. And they, yeah, they're all people, like, I remember people I've slept with. And I think that my, just, I just want to talk about numbers because, like, my thoughts on numbers are, I hope mine go up, especially, like, if I get to do more sex parties and times when there's not COVID and things like that. Right. And at that point, like, I hope to still keep track. But also, I know that if I'm ever in subspace and I get to live out my fantasy of a gangbang, like, I will need to make <laughs> sure that people, like, leave their card or something so that I know well, who's who. Because, like, at some point, all cocks kind of feel the same. I know they don't, but right. they do, you know, like, they do. I have, like, to me. a guest book there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I totally would do that. And I think that's very sweet. And so... Yeah. I, I, I just don't like counting to try to like get an impressive number. Like, right. and I'm not, and I'm not impressed by numbers because numbers don't tell you the texture of the experience. I know someone I've worked with, someone who has slept with 
over 2,500 women because <gasps> he's straight. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. And, like, good for him. But, like, yeah. what's the quality? What's the quality? I don't right. know. You know, and a lot of them are group sex. You know, so so it's, yeah, that's, uh, I guess I'm at 46. I, I, when I, somebody asked me that a couple weeks ago and I guessed 40s or 50s. And uh, yeah, so, you know, there's people okay. to ask. People I'd like to sleep with that I haven't slept with yet. People I'd like to sleep with again that I don't know if I ever will. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that that number, it's weird because for guys, it's like if that number is low, then it's like, oh, you must not be experienced. But if for girls that number's high, it's like, oh, you're a slut. That's so, so it's like, silly. What's the perfect number? And it's like, that's so stupid. But I guess for me, it's just I'm so curious because my number is one. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. I can't imagine being on the other end of that and having like something to compare it to mm -hmm. because it's weird. I'm like, I feel like my sex life is amazing, but I literally have no idea. Like I, but I, I could have been doing it wrong valid. the whole time. No, there's nothing to compare no. it to. <laughs> I don't think so. Because if you're experiencing what you're experiencing, that's truly, in my opinion, all that matters. And if you get to continue, right. it sounds like you have a brain and a heart that wants to continue to grow and explore and connect. And that to me is way more important than the what, the number, the exactly. how, the how many. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's uh, a good point. Gee, thank you so much for being on this show. Thank you.